Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. This morning we're continuing a series we began last week entitled, Why I Believe. And as I mentioned last week, you know, growing up as a preacher's kid in church, I was uh, expected to believe in Jesus. But I reached a point where I had to uh, look at the evidence myself and decide if what the Bible said about Jesus was actually true. And I did, and I believed what I saw, and so I'm, and I'm glad I have. I'm glad I've chosen to follow Jesus. But you may not be there yet. You might be sitting in the room, or you might be listening to this message, and you may say, well, I'm not sure about uh, uh, Jesus yet. I'm not sure about what Christians say is, is true. And uh, maybe you're somebody that, you know, you hear about a man being born of a virgin. You hear about a man doing miracles. You hear about a man dying and rising again. And, and, and it's just a little bit too much for you. To you, it's, it's a bit of a leap of faith. And if you're in that position, I'm not mad at you. That's, that's okay. I don't blame you for it. Uh, there's so much going on in this world. There's so many different belief systems. There's so much suffering that it can be hard to really get your arms around what's actually true and what isn't. So what I've been doing in this series is just taking us on a journey so I can show you why I believe, so that you can see the evidence for yourself and realize that Christianity, uh, belief in Jesus, is not actually a leap of faith. It's based on strong, irrefutable evidence. And ultimately, my hope is that you'll make the same decision that I did and believe in him too. If you happen to be a believer in here, this message is going to help you as well because it's going to strengthen your faith. Uh, we're in a day and age where our faith is under attack all the time. And this message will help give you, uh, will give you some ammo to give you a little bit more information to help you when you have spiritual conversations with people that you care about that you want to win to Jesus as well. So last week we began with two very simple reasons why I believe. The very first was that the earth has been designed by God. And then the second reason, of course, that we looked at is that the Bible is a miracle from God. And if you'd like to learn more about that, you can obviously find our message online in about a billion places. But today I want to go a step farther in Matthew chapter 16. And today we're going to focus on Jesus himself. Verse 13 says, And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Some was like Jesus was saying or asking, what are they tweeting about me? What do the Facebook comments look like? And they're like, well, you know, some folk are commenting that you're John the Baptist. And some are saying you're Jeremiah. And some, of you, some are saying you're Elijah. And what's really interesting is the people that they were saying uh, that the people said he was were all dead. So people believed that he was somebody who was risen from the dead. It's quite fitting, isn't it? But then Jesus gets to his point. He says, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Of course, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, notice that Jesus now asked them about their faith. What do you believe about me? And that's a, a profound question. 
And, you know, that's a, an important question for us to look at today. I mean, when you think about Jesus, you, you really have to pay attention to the fact that he is extremely famous. And you go throughout history and you could say some names like Hitler or Martin Luther King Jr. or Socrates or, or so many other people, you know, one-name people. And they're famous because of what they did. But is there anybody more famous than Jesus in history? I did a Google search a couple years ago, and I found that a Google search for Jesus at the time revealed 264 million hits. And a search on Amazon revealed over 500,000 books about Jesus. He is extremely popular. He is an extremely influential person. And people have many different ideas why. Some people simply believe that Jesus isn't God. He was just a good moral teacher. Uh, and Or some might even go farther and say, well, he was a prophet who, had, uh, who shared many profound truths. And, you know, scholars will often say that the only acceptable conclusion is, you know, that he's a good moral teacher. But the Bible goes a step farther. I mean, it, it tells us that Jesus isn't just a good moral teacher, but that he is actually the Son of God. And so it's important, I believe, for every person to fully investigate who is Jesus. Because if he's just a good moral teacher, well, then, of course, you can learn some things from him and move on and live your life based on whatever you do happen to believe. But if he is actually the Son of God, then John 3.16 is true. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not go to hell, but instead would have everlasting life, which includes going to heaven. If he's the son of God, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and your entire future depends on what you believe about Jesus. So today, let's dive into that. Let's ask the question, is he just a good teacher or is he the son of God? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic or is he Lord? So let's go to Mark chapter 14. Let's start by looking at what Jesus said about himself. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 60, we find ourselves at Jesus' trial. And the Bible says that the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? Now, of course, if we were to back up a few scriptures, we find out that they had had a number of individuals testify against Jesus, but they were all lying. And so their testimonies did not agree. And so they could not drum up enough evidence to do what they wanted to do, which was to sentence him to death. So finally, the high priest is frustrated. He stands up and says, aren't you going to say something? Don't you have something to say about yourself? What is it that they're all trying to say about you? And Jesus, of course, as we keep reading the Scripture, it says Jesus was silent and made no reply. So then the high priest asked him, we would say again, right, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? This, what's real interesting about this trial, by the way, is that it was different than any other trial. Most of the time when you have a trial, we're trying to determine if someone committed a crime. We're looking at their criminal activity. But this trial really was about identity. So they ask him, who are you? 
Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one or the son of God? And Jesus, it looks like he just needed to help them out to get this thing moving. Jesus said, I am. You are who? I am the Messiah. You are who? I am the son of God. And then to emphasize his point, he goes on to say, and you will see the son of man. Notice that phrase. Seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. What's he talking about? Well, if you were to look at Daniel chapter 7, Daniel was a prophet. God revealed things to him ahead of time, had him write down some predictions about the future. We're living right in the middle of a number of his predictions. And in verse 13, he says, my dream continued. I saw a human form, notice this phrase, a son of man. Isn't that what Jesus called himself? Arriving in a world of clouds. He came to the old one and was presented to him. He was given power to rule, all the glory of royalty. Everyone, race, color, and creed had to serve him. His rule would be forever, never ending. His kingly rule would never be replaced. So Daniel prophesies about a man, a son of man, who actually would be divine. That's what's represented by a world of clouds. This man would end up having authority over everyone, over all the earth forever. This man was the Messiah, the Son of God. So when Jesus called himself the Son of Man, he was saying, I'm that man. If we were to go back to Matthew chapter 16, when when Peter, uh, when Jesus asked, who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? He told them when he said Son of Man. He knew exactly who he was. It didn't, who he, his identity was not dependent on what somebody else said about him. He was interested in what they believed. And here you, you see it again that Jesus was actually saying, I am this man. One individual said this. He said, in Daniel's vision, the human-like figure possesses all judgment and authority and rules over an everlasting kingdom. The notion of frailty and dependence is absence. The description of the figure as coming with the cloud also identifies him as divine. Since elsewhere in the Old Testament, the imagery of coming on clouds is used exclusively for divine figures. So what's going on here? Jesus was claiming divinity. He was saying that I am the divine heavenly figure who will be sitting at God's right hand exercising authority over all people for all of eternity. And that's why you get the reaction that you get in Mark chapter 14. If we were to go back there in verse 64, it says, then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And unanimously, they said, guilty. They all cried, he deserves to die. They unanimously unanimously determined that he was guilty of death. They were upset because in their minds, he committed blasphemy by claiming that he was God. Because that's exactly what he was claiming. If you were to look at uh, Matthew 27 and verse 43, you, you can read about what happened when he was on the cross. And one of the taunts that they threw at him was this, he trusted God. So let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. So Jesus 
clearly said, I am the Son of God. And we could go to a number of other scriptures where he said that. And, and you know, the name of Jesus offends people in a way that no other name seems to, not even Muhammad, not even Confucius, not even Buddha, because those individuals didn't actually claim to be God, but Jesus did. Mark chapter 2 and verse 5 takes this a step farther. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, what are we talking about here? Well, in this opening of Scripture, Jesus was in a house. He was teaching. You know, it was like a, a small group, a crew. The Bible says the power of God was in that room. And, but the place was so packed that people couldn't get in. And so these, there were four guys who had a paralyzed friend, and they literally took him on a stretcher, climbed up on the roof, and broke up the roof to let him down before Jesus because they believed Jesus could heal him. So the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, it's like he had faith vision, right? He could see their faith glasses on. If you haven't been here for a while, you don't know what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all know what I'm talking about. He could see it. When he saw their faith, get, notice what he said. He didn't say, be healed. Now, there are other times where that's exactly what he'd do. He'd lay hands on them or he'd declare something and they'd be healed. But in this time, he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. Whoa. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. You know, when Jesus says you're forgiven, that's like saying you're pardoned. You know, our president can give pardons, right? And when you get a presidential pardon, then that supersedes whatever the court said about you right? You know, they may say that you committed this crime and this is your sentence, that you're supposed to serve 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But if the president gives you a pardon, then you don't have to serve that sentence anymore. Jesus is saying, I'm president of the world. I'm pardoning you. But yet, how could he do that? The only person that could pardon people of their sins is God. I mean, he's saying this like the man sinned against him. But in his mind, he did. And that's why these folk got upset. Who is this man to say that you forgive somebody? You're not, you're not God, but Jesus is saying, oh, yeah, I am. That's why he did it. Because he could have just said, hey, man, just be healed. And the guy could have got, got up and walked away. But this time he said, your sins are forgiven. And then when they got upset, he said, oh, you don't know I have that authority? Let me prove it to you. Get up and be healed. The man got up and was healed. Then they had nothing to say. Like, well, I guess you must be something because you're healing people. God obviously honored what you said. Once again, he was saying, he was proving that he was God. In fact, he went a step farther in John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Whoa. He's saying, I am the source of forgiveness. I am the source of salvation. I am the Son of God. I have that kind of authority. He said, I'm the man. So he believed that he was God, and it was of fundamental importance to him that other people believe that as well. Notice he didn't leave any wiggle room. There was nowhere he's a good guy. Well, he's a prophet. It was either you think I'm God or you think I'm crazy. There was, there was no, no room there. And the same thing is true today. When you look at Jesus 
and you evaluate him, you know, we really only have about three different options for how we can label him. He is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. So let's, let's look a little closer at that. Was Jesus, you know, even before I read that, let me read this because this is so good. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about this being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So let's look at it. Is he a liar? Which would mean that he made a false claim and he knew it. Well, man, if he was a liar, clearly he would be deliberately deceiving his followers, right? He would be a hypocrite because he talked about being honest while lying. He'd be a demon, man, because he would talk about, he was telling them their eternal destiny depended on what they believed about him. I mean, he would be an individual who was a fool because he allowed himself to be crucified when he could have backed away from that claim any time and saved his life. Well, is he a liar? Well, you know what? The evidence doesn't seem to support it because if you look at the impact of his words and of his life, you see people whose lives have changed for the better. I mean, could a a great moral teacher, you know, mislead people to the place uh, even about his identity and then at the same time see people who are alcoholics be free from alcoholism? People who are horrible husbands become great husbands. People who were thieves become honest. People who, who... who had no hope, suddenly live a hope-filled life. I mean, how could he be a liar and yet his life have the impact it's had? Could anybody here say that his life has had a major impact on your life for the better? I mean, how could he be lying and yet that be the case? How could people be healed in the name of Jesus like we just saw if he's a liar, if he wasn't even who he said he was? And let's go a step farther. If Jesus was a liar trying to craft this story about him being God, why would you go to the Jews who only believed in one God? Why not go to a bunch of other people at that time who believed in multiple gods? It'd be easier to believe that you're one of the gods, right? Why would you, if you decide that you want people to believe you're a God, let people know that you're a lowly carpenter from a small town in the middle of nowhere? Why wouldn't you craft, you know, say that I came from you know, this great place, and I have this great lineage. See, it just doesn't add up that he would be a liar. It just, 
It just doesn't add up at all. Well, then let's ask the next question. Is he a lunatic? Is he crazy? Did he make a, a false claim and just not know it? You know, there are people that walk around saying they're God and people that walk around and say, you know, they, they black and they white and, and they rich and they're poor and they're a car. I mean, it, it, you know, unfortunately, people got all kinds of issues. Elevator don't go to the top floor and some of y'all laughing and we talking about, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Was he crazy? Was he somebody that really believed this stuff, but it wasn't true? And he just, he was just nuts. Here's the question. How could someone who was crazy give us so many profound truths? Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you have to admit, and you probably readily would admit, that his teachings are epic. That they are, I mean, phenomenal that they are earth-shattering. And people who don't believe in Jesus quote Jesus all the time. All the time. He, if, if you were to take the position that he wasn't the son of God, you'd have to take the position that he was probably the most influential philosopher in the history of the world. How could he be that and be crazy? And that up. I mean, we could go deeper with that, but I think that's strong enough right there. That's not possible. He couldn't be crazy and out of his mind and yet giving us such wonderful, incredible, profound truths. That leaves us one, one other answer. I, I do want to read this quote, though. This guy said, was he deluded about his greatness, a paranoid, an unintentional deceiver, a schizophrenic? Again, the skill and depth of his teaching support the case only for his total mental soundness. If only we were as sane as he. <laughs> I wish I was as sane as he, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there was never been a, a satisfactory explanation for the discrepancy between his supposed megalo megalomania and his incredible wisdom. All right, so then last one then is, well, is he Lord? Is, did he make a true claim? Is Jesus who he says he is. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 4, first of all. I'm going to look at two things here in verse 23. And let's just look at some history from his ministry. And by the way, we talked about this last week, of course. Uh, we know that this Bible is historically accurate. It's actually the more historically accurate than every book of ancient antiquity. And the evidence for that is overwhelming. And so we're reading history as well as God's Word. And here's what we read. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And get this, he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, the original Greek also mentions mentally ill. He healed them all. So Jesus didn't just go around teaching. He went around healing, and he healed people of everything. 
you know, every, whether it was a minor sickness or major sickness, whether it was something that maybe some would consider curable or they would consider incurable, he healed it all to the place that people in the country we call today of Syria found out. It spread throughout the whole region, and they start bringing their sick family members and friends, traveling, had them travel, you know, great distances just to get in front of him because he was healing everybody. Can you imagine how popular one person would be if they just had the cure for cancer? You know, there was an article a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying that some scientists in Israel have found a cure for cancer. And it spread like wildfire. You know, who knows? We'll see if that's actually true or not. But can you imagine someone that has the cure for cancer and they can give it to you in an instant? How about if they add on top of that the cure for AIDS? Alzheimer's. Every type of sickness, every type of disease you could think of. Broken legs. Spine problems. Nerve problems. And he's healing them them in an instant. What would it look like? If he lived on this earth, it looked like it just did, did in Jesus' time. You keep reading, it says, large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River. In other words, Jesus had multitudes of people, crowds following him everywhere, all the time. It's not all that different than when Tiger Woods is on the golf course. You ever see that you watch? I don't watch golf much, but whenever I do see it on TV, I see these other golfers, and they got some folk following them. And then you know when Tiger's coming because the whole universe is following him, right? And this is how it was with Jesus, man. It's like everywhere he went, crowds followed him because of these miracles that he was doing. You know, there was one place in the Bible where the Bible teaches that the people, uh, you know, they had not eaten. They were hungry. They were so into Jesus, they skipped a meal. Come on now. You know you must be into him. You're skipping a meal. And the Bible says, you know, the story, he took five loaves and two fishes. And the and, and Bible teaches ultimately that he fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So that means he had probably more like 15,000 to 20,000 people who were there at that one service. That's, an, that's a stadium full. That's like, you know, uh, Little Caesars Arena emptying out and following one man wherever he went all the time. Jesus was doing miracles everywhere, and everybody knew it. So much so that even after he rose from the dead and Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he said to a crowd of people that didn't believe in Jesus that this was a man who was approved by God, who did miracles, signs, and wonders, and you know it. Everybody knew he was doing miracles. That's one reason why people were giving their comments about who he was. Remember, we started off with him asking, what are they tweeting about me, right? You know, they were saying, he must be John the Baptist. He must be Elijah. Because everybody knew what he was doing. And what he was doing was providing proof that he was not like any other man. What he was doing was providing proof that he was the Son of God, the Messiah. This was his evidence. You know, it's almost like, you know, if a woman may take a pregnancy test and that test gives her proof that she's pregnant. What Jesus was saying was, I am the Son of God. Let me prove it. And then healing people of every sickness and every disease. How many times in the Bible did it say he healed them all? He healed everyone. 
Why? Well, he loved them. God wants them well, but also to prove who he is. Jesus didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk of the Son of God. And it's a historical fact that he did miracles. But then let's go a step farther. In Romans chapter 1, we're asking, is he Lord? Did he make a true claim? Is Jesus who he says he is? Is he the Son of God? In Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking. He says that the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born in the King David's family line. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice he said he was shown to be the Son of God. If you look at the King James Version or even the original Greek, because the New Testament comes from the Greek, it says he was marked out. He was identified as the Son of God. How? How did they know he wasn't just a prophet? Because of this very simple fact, he rose from the dead. You know, when you can predict your death and predict that you're going to rise from the dead, you're a bad man. And we'll talk more about it next week, of course, but history tells us that overwhelmingly the tomb is empty, that he rose from the dead. And, of course, in this day and age, Paul, just like so many others of his day and age, they had seen Jesus after he had been crucified. This is what got them going crazy in the first place. I mean, when you think about Peter and John and Matthew and Bartholomew and all those guys, when Jesus was crucified, we find them hiding in a small room in fear. They're terrified that they're going to be the ones that are going to be crucified next. And they went from that to stepping out in the streets and preaching boldly that he rose from the dead. What would cause such cowardly men to boldly go and preach the gospel? What would cause those men to themselves be crucified and, and murdered in multiple different ways because they believed in what they'd seen. Jesus rose from the dead, and they had seen him themselves. They had touched him themselves, and now they were doing miracles in his name. And you know why I'm standing up here right now? Because I'm a witness of the same thing. Jesus has done great things in my life. I've watched him do miracle after miracle in the lives of other people. Can anybody here say that you've had miracles in your life? Through the name of the authority of Jesus, he has proven that he is the Son of God by rising from the dead. He is who he says he is. And even in this time today, some people have been healed by the name of Jesus. Put your hand up, you've been healed. Already you can feel it. How about how many were healed today, just during this time? Lift your hand up, just during this time. I see some hands right now. All right, doing. Well, how did that happen, Pastor? You hypnotized them. Man, if I had that kind of ability, I'd be a cabillionaire. I mean, not a billionaire, cabillionaire. It's not me, man. It's the name of Jesus. And when you use his name, his, he steps up in the room and his power does miracles. And that cannot be disputed. He's not a liar, he's not a lunatic. He is Lord. I want to read to you 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. 
and vindicated or justified, as one translation says, by the Spirit. Some of him being raised up. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. There's his story right there. So today you have three choices. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or is he Lord? You're going to try to believe he's just a good moral man, or is he actually the son of God? You have to make a choice. You're making a choice one way or the other anyway. Either you're saying, no, I don't believe by choosing not to believe in him and follow him. Or you're saying, yeah, you know what? I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and I want him to be a part of my life. And so every head bowed, you're very closed in prayer. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.